This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. I'd like for you to take God's Word go with me to Acts chapter number 1. Acts chapter number 1, and uh, we're continuing uh, here in the beginning of this year uh, to look at the theme, back to the basics of the New Testament church. Back to the basics of the New Testament church. Life gets complicated, doesn't it? And uh, Satan certainly desires to complicate it for us. And uh, if he leaves us alone, our flesh has a tendency to do so as well. And uh, we need the simplicity uh, of the Christian life. And it is a simple life. It is uh, simple, as I had a discussion this week, it is a simple thing when you really think about how one comes to know the Lord. It's all by faith, believing in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so... Uh, we are desiring as we come into a new year and a new decade to get back to the basics. We need to do that, don't we, in our lives and in our church. And so we've looked at some thoughts as, as we think about getting back to the basics of the New Testament church. We look, number one, at the Lord's presence among us, that when we meet together, we're not just coming as individuals who have a time that we acknowledge God, but we are actually coming together as believers, as a body into the presence of the Lord, and he is with us. Uh, oh, how that should revolutionize the way we approach uh, coming to church, meeting together, and uh, that the Lord is with us this morning. His presence is among us. He is here in this moment, and we thank him for it. And then we looked, secondly, last week at the Lord's plan for us. What are we to do? Well, we are to be witnesses uh, in all the world of the message of the gospel. And now we're going to look this morning at the Lord's power through us. The Lord's power through us. How are we going to fulfill the plan that God has given to us to fulfill? And so I want us to look Acts chapter 1. And verse number six, when they therefore were come together, they asked of him saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the father hath put in his power. Uh, here's the question that they have, Lord, um, what are you going to do now? Now that you have arisen from the dead, will you now uh, uh, deliver us from Roman oppression, will you now restore the kingdom to Israel? And what we find here in the response of the Lord Jesus is that what we know is not nearly as important as who we know. And if we know him, that's all we really need to know, isn't it? And so I pray that God would help us, <clears throat> excuse me, that God would help us in 2020 to enter into a deeper fellowship and communion uh, with the Lord. And so the Lord answers the question. Uh, 
He says, it's not for you to know. And then he says in verse 8, here's what I do want you to know. You know, oftentimes we're so concerned about what we don't know (laughs) that we forget to be concerned about what God wants us to know. And so here's what he wants us to know. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. That's the plan. We're to be witnesses. And how are we to accomplish this? Well, the power is mentioned in verse number 8, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Now, you know, there are 261 passages in the New Testament which speak of the Holy Ghost. And so the question may come to you this morning, what is the Holy Ghost? But let me help you rephrase the question. The question should not be, what is the Holy Ghost? The question ought to be, who is the Holy Ghost? Because the Holy Ghost is a person. The Holy Ghost is a part of the Godhead, a member of the Holy Trinity, the three-in-one. You have God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Ghost was involved in creation, and he gives spiritual life to believers. He is the one who inspired the human penman to record God's Word, the Bible. Uh, The Holy Spirit gave life to this book. And uh, we see uh, that he teaches believers. Jesus said he will teach us all things, and he gives us understanding of the Word. Uh, Jesus referred to him as our comforter. He convicts and reproves the world of sin. He indwells the believer. He communes with us. He leads us. He speaks to us, and as we find in Romans chapter number 8, he prays for us. Thank you, dear God, for the Holy Spirit. And if the church is going to be the church, then the church cannot be the church apart from the power of the Holy Ghost. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 8 and verse number 9, I invite you to turn there with me, Romans chapter number 8 and verse number 9, as the Apostle Paul here in this 8th chapter is speaking uh, to the believers at Rome concerning the ministry of the Holy Spirit in their lives. And he says, beginning in verse number 9, but ye, that's the believer, ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. That word is capitalized, isn't it? That means the Spirit of God living in you. If so be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of God, he is none of his. And if Christ be in you, you see, if the Holy Spirit's in you, let me tell you who else is in you. Jesus Christ is living in you. And he said, if Christ be in you, uh, the body is dead because of sin. That's the, the body of flesh. It is, it is positionally, it, it is recognized as dead because of sin. But the Spirit is life because of righteousness. Before you were born again, you were dead in the trespasses and your sins. You're dead to God, dead to the world, dead to the flesh, dead to the Spirit, rather. Uh, you are dead. You do not have spiritual life. But the moment that the Holy Spirit comes into your dead body, he quickens you. That old dead sin nature is made alive unto God through the power 
of the Holy Spirit. Notice what he says in verse 11. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you. That is a powerful thing, is it not? To think that the Holy Spirit, the spirit that was in the Lord Jesus and caused him to come up out of that grave, if that spirit is in you, that's a powerful thing, isn't it? And you say, well, I just, I'm having a hard time overcoming this sin and I'm having a hard time with this habit and I'm having a hard time with these thought patterns and I'm just having a hard time doing what I need to do. Well, let me tell you, friend, there's no excuse for you and I because we have, as believers, the Holy Spirit in us and that's the spirit that quickened Jesus and he rose from the dead. That spirit dwells in us and empowers us to serve God and to do what pleases him. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 5, he said, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. What makes us sufficient as Christians? It's not us. It's not our talents. It's not our abilities. It's not our personalities. It's not our winsomeness. It is only the fact that God is in us. He makes us sufficient. Paul goes on to say in verse number six, who also hath made us able ministers. What makes us able? It's nothing but the Spirit of God. He says, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. For the letter killeth, but the Spirit giveth life. Praise God that we have the Holy Spirit living us. And the Holy Spirit is our source of power. Now, I want you to notice some things about this power. As we find it revealed, as we find it recorded for us in the pages of God's Word. Number one, I want you to see the manifestation of his power. The manifestation of his power. Let's look in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1. And the Bible said, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven, as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it set upon each of them. Verse number four, and they were filled with the Holy Ghost. They were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now here we find the church. What are they doing? Well, they're doing what Jesus told them to do. They're waiting, and they're gathered together in the upper room, and they're gathered there at the time of the feast of Pentecost, or at Pentecost, rather, 50 days after the Sabbath, after Jesus was crucified. Here they are, not many days since he had ascended, and they're waiting. And as they're waiting, obeying Christ, the Holy Spirit comes upon them. Here we have what is called the baptism of the Holy Ghost. The baptism of the Holy Ghost took place in the life of the church in Acts chapter number 2, and verse number one. And it came, as we see in verse number two, suddenly. It came suddenly. And it was revealed, it was openly revealed that something dramatic was taking place. Something that had never happened before was taking place. The Holy Spirit of God, as Jesus said, is coming down upon the believers and he is coming to baptize them, to indwell them, and never to leave them again. Aren't you glad to know that once the Holy Spirit has come into your life, he will never leave you? 
And so here we find uh, that the Holy Spirit uh, manifests himself. Now, how does he do it? Uh, Quickly, four ways. Number one, there was a sound heard by all. A sound heard by all. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. There was a sound that was heard by all. Uh, you, you know when you hear the wind, right? It makes a powerful noise. You can't see it. If you're outside, you can feel it, but you can certainly hear it as it howls. You can hear that tempestuous wind. And here coming into this house where the disciples were gathered was the sound of a rushing, mighty wind, a powerful wind. Uh, you've been there when those storms are coming. You know what that sound is like. It is a sound that is heard by all. And we find oftentimes in the Holy Scripture, a symbol of the Holy Spirit is the wind. And so uh, the, word, uh, the word Holy Spirit, the word spirit, as it is pronounced in the Hebrew, as it is pronounced in Greek, it, it involves a breath as you speak that word. And of course, that word literally speaks of the breath and that is the life that God gave to Adam in the garden. That is the inspiration, God breathing upon the prophets and the apostles to record the scriptures. And so we find here this wind. It was a sound heard by all. Then secondly, it was a sight that was seen by all. Notice verse number three. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire and sat upon each of them. Imagine that sight. Here is this thing that looks like fire and it looks like a tongue and it is appearing, it is setting upon each of them. And there the Lord is showing through this picture, through this image, that the Holy Spirit is indwelling every believer. And so we see it's a sound heard by all. It is a sight seen by all. And uh, John Phillips tells us this regarding what took place and what takes place in the life of a believer when he receives the Lord Jesus. They are baptized by the Holy Spirit, and they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. They are sealed by the Holy Spirit, and they receive the earnest of their inheritance the moment that they put their faith and trust in Jesus. Now, these were believers already, but the Holy Spirit had not come. And so the Holy Spirit is coming down now, and he is revealing himself in a, in a glorious way, in a powerful way, in a mighty way. But friend, he's not revealing himself that way any longer because the moment that you and I receive him, he baptizes us. He indwells us. He empowers us. And uh, we receive that earnest and we receive that seal. Now, once we possess that, well, then we manifest uh, through his power what he's done in our lives. And so uh, though there's no mighty rushing wind, though there is no cloven tongue of fire uh, sitting upon us, a friend, here's what we know, that when God moves in, our lives change. Things change in our life. And so our behavior change, our desires change, our goals change, what we talk about changes. And, and, and may God help us to manifest that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. It was a sound heard by all, a sight seen by all, and then notice verse number four, a speech understood by all. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, the Bible tells us that there were 17 different language groups who were gathered here at Pentecost. 
They were Jews, but they had been scattered abroad, many of them born in foreign places, living in foreign lands, and so they spoke foreign languages. And as they come together, as they, as they have come together for the Feast of Pentecost, they, they hear the sound, and they, they're told of the sight, and then all of a sudden they hear these people speaking. And what are they saying? Well, the Bible tells us in verse number 11, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. Now, this was a miracle that took place. Here these, these, these apostles are gathered, and many of them are Galileans, and they've never studied these languages. And we know that over 17 different language groups are hearing the message of God in their own language. This is a miracle performed by the Holy Ghost. And it was a sign, that's the fourth thing, a sign shown to all. Now, notice in verse number 12, and they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, what meaneth this? Can you imagine that group gathered there? They hear this sound of a mighty rushing wind. They see these cloven tongues of fire, and then they hear these people speaking, and many of them are going, wait a minute, that guy's speaking in my language. And another guy's over here, and he said, wait a minute, that guy's speaking in my language. And there's 17 different languages and dialects represented, and they all hear this 120 people proclaiming the message of the gospel in their own language, and they're going, what in the world is happening? Wouldn't you say the same thing? Well, sure you would. Well, what's happening? Well, what's going on? And so they began to gather around. Verse number 13, others mocking said, these men are full of new wine. But Peter, standing up with the 11, lifted up his voice and said unto them, ye men of Judea and all you that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And this shall come to pass in the last day, saith God. I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in heaven and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and notable day of the Lord. Verse 21, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Oh, the Holy Spirit came, friend. And when he came, he came powerfully. He came unmistakably. He came clearly. He came with a sound that was heard by all. He came with a sight that was seen by all. He came with a speech that was understood by all. And he came with a sign that was shown to all. Listen, if the Holy Spirit lives in you, you, you know that you know it. Something has changed in your life. God is now abiding in you. That's what it means, friend, to be born again. And so we think, secondly, of the magnitude of his power. We've seen the manifestation of his power, but I want you to notice the magnitude, the far-reaching scope of his power, uh, the degree, if you would, of his power. Now, in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 37, as Peter is preaching to those men who are wanting to know what's happening, he's preaching the message of Jesus. And in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 37, the Bible said that as he preached, 
that when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart. That is the work of the Holy Ghost, to convict them, to show them their need for Christ. And they said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Isn't that the question? Isn't that the question? What is it that we should do? That's what the world wants to know. What do we do? How can I be saved? Having heard the message of Christ, what am I to do? Verse 38, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and to your children and to all that are far off and as many as the Lord our God shall call. Verse 40, and with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, save yourselves from this untoward generation. Verse 41, then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. There were 120 or so gathered in that upper room, but by the time the day was done, there were 3,120 in the church. Praise God. You see, here we find the magnitude, the degree of his power was to save in one moment 3,000 thousand souls. Now, let me tell you something, friend. It didn't stop there, and aren't you glad? The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 2 that the believers had all things common, and they were unified. In Acts 2.42, the Bible tells us that the gospel advanced, and new believers were added unto the church daily. In Acts chapter 3, the Bible tells us that the apostles went up to the beautiful gate and they healed the lame man. The crowds gathered. They heard the message of the gospel. Five thousand in one day saved because of the message of the glorious gospel. In Acts chapter 5, there was sin in the church, and that sin was exposed, and that sin was judged as a work of the Holy Ghost. And afterward, afterward, there were many who came to faith in Jesus. Uh, in Acts chapter number 6, there was division in the church. You said two bad things in a row happened in the church, yes, but they were dealt with by the power of the Holy Spirit. They were dealt with in accordance to the scriptures and the message of the gospel marched on and people were added to the church. The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 8 that the gospel was proclaimed in Samaria with power and many were saved. Philip was led of the spirit to the Ethiopian eunuch and he led him to Jesus and he was saved. Saul, the chief persecutor of the church, on the road to Damascus, the Lord spoke to him, and he was saved. And not only was he saved, but he was called into the ministry and became one of the apostles. In Acts chapter number 10, Peter receives a vision, and Cornelius calls for Peter, and Peter goes to the house of Cornelius, who was a Gentile, and preaches the gospel to him, and he and his family are saved, and they receive the Holy Ghost. In Acts chapter number 11, the church at Antioch is established. In Acts chapter number 12, James is killed. Peter is arrested. The church prays, and the gospel advances, and Peter is freed by the Lord. In Acts chapter 13, the church at Antioch called missionaries and sent them out as the Holy Spirit led them, and they went throughout the whole earth proclaiming the gospel, 
preaching the gospel, and souls were saved, and churches were established, battles were fought, persecution and afflictions were suffered, trials endured, but churches were established and strengthened, pastors, evangelists, and missionaries were called, monies and lands and possessions were given, martyrs died, and more souls were saved, more churches were established, more battles were fought, more persecutions were suffered, and more trials endured, but the church prevailed by the power, the glorious magnitude of the power of the Holy Ghost. And friend, I want to tell you this morning that that power resides in the heart of every believer. And that power, it can be preeminent and use this congregation to reach this city. We don't have to have the greatest plan. We don't have to have the best programs. We don't have to have all the resources. But friend, we've got the power of the Holy Ghost living in us. We better get back to the basics of the New Testament church. We better get back to the Spirit-filled life. Oh, friend, the magnitude of the Holy Ghost and his power. Then we see, thirdly, the mandate of his power. We see the manifestation of it. It was unmistakable. It was clear. He's there. He's in his people. All the world could see it. We see the magnitude of it, the, the, the effect of it, the far reach of it, and what God can do through a group of people who are filled with the Holy Ghost. And then we see thirdly the mandate. Notice in verse 8 of Acts chapter 1, we read that verse again. But ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And ye, would you say that word with me? And ye. Now, we don't usually speak uh, the king's English, do we? Sometimes we say, yuns. <laughs> I mean, if you're really hick town like me, right? Or y'all. But most of you refined, educated people just say you. Who's he speaking to? What's the word? Who? You. Me. He's speaking to all of us. Not just the pastor. Not just the deacons. He's speaking to Christians. And ye shall be witnesses unto me. That is the mandate in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. Look in chapter 2 and verse 4. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to do what, church? What did they begin to do? They began to what? They began to speak. Thank you. The Men and women gathered, filled with the Holy Ghost, began to speak. Notice in verse 11, and the, when they spoke, people heard. And we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. What should we be speaking about? The wonderful works of God. Here's what we find. If you are filled with the Holy Ghost, there's a sure way you'll know it you'll be speaking about what God's done for you. You'll be telling people about Jesus. If you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you're going to be witnessing. If you're not filled with the Holy Spirit, then you won't be witnessing. Now ask yourself honestly the question, am I filled with the Holy Spirit? Am I filled with the Holy Spirit? Acts chapter 4 and verse number 31, the Bible says that the apostles were 
charged not to preach anymore in the name of Jesus. Acts chapter 4 and verse 31, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Do you see that? They were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they what? What is it? They spake the word. Oh, friend, if you and I are filled, we're going to speak. And they spake the word of God with boldness. Acts chapter number 6 and verse number 8, we meet a man named Stephen. He was a man, the Bible says in Acts 6 and verse 8, was full of faith and power. And he did great wonders and miracles among the people. Then there arose certain of the synagogue, which is called of the synagogue of the Libertines, and the Cyrenians, and the Alexandrians, and of them of Cilicia and of Asia, disputing with Stephen. By the way, uh, when you're filled with the Spirit and you're speaking, you can, you can expect people to dispute you. You can expect it. People who don't know God, people who are not filled with the Holy Spirit, uh, they are going to dispute you. And so here we find the disputing. But notice this in verse number 10. And they were not able to resist the wisdom and the Spirit by which he, what's that word, church? Spake. You see, if I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, if you're filled with the Holy Ghost, here's what we're going to do. We're going to tell people about Jesus. We're going to talk about what he's done for us. We're, we're not going to be murmuring and complaining all the time. We're not going to tell everybody all of our problems or everything's wrong down at the church. If we're filled with the Holy Ghost, then we're going to talk about what God has done. If we're filled with the Holy Ghost, we're going to tell lost sinners about Jesus. It's the mandate of his power. I want you to see the last thing and that is the measure of his power, the measure of it. Now, let me just say this to you. When they were baptized by the Holy Ghost, they received all of the Holy Ghost. They didn't receive him partially. They received him fully. And the moment that you and I are saved, we receive the Holy Spirit of God in full. He comes to dwell within us. He is with us, and we have him fully. That is the baptism of the Holy Ghost. But if you look with me in the book of Ephesians, chapter number 5, we're going to find out that as we have the Holy Ghost, we must actively seek to be continuously filled by the Holy Ghost. We must actively seek to continuously be filled by the Holy Ghost. Notice, if you would, Ephesians 5 and verse number 18. The Bible says this, and be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. The word Spirit is capitalized. He's speaking of the Holy Ghost. He's speaking of the Holy Spirit. And the command is that you and I be filled with the Spirit. Now, as I mentioned a moment ago, when we received the Holy Ghost, we were baptized uh, by the Holy Ghost. And uh, not only that, but we receive the gifts of the Spirit and uh, the indwelling of the Spirit and the seal of the Spirit and the earnest of the Spirit. But friend, if we're going to be filled with the Spirit, that is a moment-by-moment -moment activity and pursuit in our lives to constantly be filled with the Holy Ghost. Let me read what John Phillips has said. He said, the filling is largely depending upon the individual believer. He can be filled one moment, and because of some disobedience, empty the next. The purpose of the filling is to change our temperament and make us like Jesus in his nature, person, 
and personality so that in thought, word, and deed, we might show to him a lost world. The filling is always available to us, but our realization of it depends upon our cooperation with the Holy Spirit. On the day of Pentecost, all those present were filled with the Spirit. The filling is available to every believer. There is no exception, and there can be no excuse for not being filled. Now, the question comes this morning, are you filled with the Holy Ghost? You know the answer. And let me tell you that if you are not, you can be. And if you are not, there's no excuse for you not to be filled, and there's no excuse for me not to be filled. As believers in the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit lives within us, and we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. Well, you say, well, pastor, if the Holy Spirit lives within me, how am I not filled? Well, we're not filled with the Holy Spirit when we are filled with self, when we are filled with sin, when we're filled with pride and lust and, uh, and, and, and attitudes and covetousness, uh, then, friends, we are not filled with the Holy Spirit. We are filled with self. And if we're ever going to be filled by the Holy Spirit, do you know what we're going to have to do? We're going to have to empty self. We're going to have to empty self. Now, I've got a cup here. It only holds so much water. But if I took a, a bulletin and I wadded up that bulletin and I made a big paper wad and I put it inside this cup, uh, then it's not going to hold as much water, right? And uh, then if I took my pen and I stuck it inside there, it's not going to hold as much water. You see, for everything I place in that cup, it's, it's creating less and less room for the water in that cup. And friend, for the things that we put in our lives that do not please God, the things that are selfish and the things that are sinful and the things uh, that are lustful, uh, as we place those things in our lives, we are creating less and less room for the fullness of the Holy Spirit. And if we're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, then we have to let God put his finger on our lives and begin removing some of that stuff out of our cup, some of that stuff out of our lives, some of those bad attitudes, some of that unforgiveness, that bitterness that resides deep in our hearts uh, that spews out from time to time. We, we got to get that out of our lives if we're going to be filled with the Holy Ghost. That covetousness and that greed, we got to get that out of our lives that laziness and that slothfulness, that prayerlessness, we got to get that out of our cup if we want to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, the Bible teaches us that there are two ways that we can hurt and hinder the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Ephesians chapter number four and verse number 30, the Bible said, and grieve not the Holy Spirit. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. Now, if I'm going to grieve, that means I'm going to afflict with sorrow. Uh, that means I'm doing something that hurts the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's the language I use or the attitude I have or my lack of obedience to him, but there's something in my life that is grieving him. I can hinder the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. Not only can I grieve him, but the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5 and 19 that I can quench him. I can quench him. Now, when the Holy Spirit came, he came with two symbols. One was the wind, and the other was what? Cloven tongues like as fire. Now, have you ever seen a flame quenched? It's put out. A friend, I don't know, but there were times in my life when that fire was burning deep in my heart, and because of my disobedience, because of my lack of willingness to surrender, 
Do you know what happened? That flame got snuffed out. That flame got extinguished. Now, that doesn't mean the Holy Spirit doesn't live within me. Oh, no. It just means that he's not burning in me like he once was. And I want to tell you that if our church, if our church is going to get back to the basics, if we're going to be what God wants us to be, we've got to be a spirit-filled church. That means you have to be a spirit-filled believer. I heard someone just last week say in a sermon this, they made this statement, if every member of my church was just like me, what kind of church would my church be? Pretty powerfully convicting, isn't it? I want you to think about you. I want you to think about your relationship with the Holy Ghost. I want you to think about uh, the question and answer it honestly. Am I filled with the Holy Ghost? If the answer is no, I'm not, then, then the question is this, why? And, and then the question is this, what are you willing to do about it? Are you willing to come to the Lord today and say to him, Lord, I'm not filled with the Holy Ghost, but I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Would you forgive me? Would you begin to point out in my life the things that are filling my cup that are, that, that are crowding out the Holy Ghost? And would you help me, Lord, today to be filled with the Holy Ghost? And would you help me moment by moment to seek continually to be filled with the Holy Ghost? And let me tell you what God will do. He'll answer your prayer. And people will begin to look and wonder with amazement at what's happening in your life. And you'll be able to tell people about the Lord. Nobody will have to coerce you or coax you into it. You'll just automatically do it because you are filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, friend, if we're going to do the job God's given us to do, we have to be a church filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen? You know, if we're not filled with the Holy Ghost, let me tell you what we have. We have a body with no life. And there are lots of places in Hickory where you can go this morning and find bodies with no life. They're called funeral homes. And you can go to a funeral home and you can peer down in a casket and you might see a face of someone who has a suit and a coat or a lady with a dress. And oftentimes people will comment, oh, don't they look good? But there's no life there. The casket's nice. The decorations are nice. There's pictures on the wall and all the religious relics and everything that you think ought to be in a Baptist church may be there, but it's not a church unless it's alive, unless it's empowered by the Holy Ghost, and we need to get back to the fullness of the Holy Ghost. Forget the rest of it, friends. We need God, and we need God's power. And may God help us this morning to resolve in our hearts that we're going to get back to the basics of being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. We've gotten too complicated and too sophisticated, and we've decided we can live without God. But we can't. Maybe this morning you're here and you don't know him, there's no life in you at all, then you can receive Jesus today as your Savior. He wants to save you. And maybe this morning you know, you know it's true in your own heart. I'm not filled with the Spirit. Why don't you come to him and ask him today to forgive you and to fill you? And as a church, wouldn't it be good if some of the men, some of the women in this church got a burden for revival, got a burden to see God work, Got a burden to see the Lord disrupt our comfort and stir us up and provoke us to good works. We need a touch 
of the Holy Ghost. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.